Hi, I'm Lori Power, Director of Lifelong Faith Formation at Christ Redeemer Parish, and welcome to Talking Saints. I'm here today with my co-host, Pete Sanchez, reporter for the Catholic Star-Herald, and we'll be spending about 15-20 minutes talking about a particular saint and how his or her example can in- inspire us, because, as Pope Francis reminds us, to be saints is not a privilege for the few, but a vocation for everyone. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing well, Lori. Happy New Year. Yeah, that's right. We have yeah. not been in the vault in 2024. 2025. I was like, ooh, 2014. I'm no. going into the past. <laughs> 2024. <laughs> no, the, um, I, I think, are we still in the threshold of saying Happy New Year? Sure. I mean, I guess I can say Happy New Year to our listeners. Sure. Right? We, um, <laughs> I had the conversation with a friend of mine about, you know, when is it proper to... Is it the first time you see them within mm. reason? Like maybe maybe the first month of January, if you haven't seen somebody since December, you say Happy New Year. But then I, I think maybe February 1st, even if you haven't seen anybody. <laughs> That's the it's deadline. Too late. That's the cutoff. I think so, for me at least. I mean, obviously, you know. But but maybe here on Talking Saints we shouldn't talk the this that's of course we're talking about the secular New Year. That's <laughs> maybe right. Maybe Happy New Year is the beginning of Advent. That, that's right. So, that's when we should have been saying Happy New Year. Yes, right. um, maybe that can be my. I was going to say New Year's resolution, oh. but then that's already. Are you going to remember by December? <laughs> November. Remember by December. That's oh right. gosh, Lori. Uh, well, I will now that I have that in my head. That's going to be a little earworm. Remember by December. That's right. Um, write that down. Uh, so, but no, we're going to kick off this year uh, with the fantastic saint. I think mm-hmm. you know who, who. Do you want to? Do you want to just sure, tell Saint Angela Marici? Yeah. So she's kind of a saint that I've heard her name mentioned, and she seems like a really strong female saint. But I didn't know a whole lot about her, so I'm glad same, we get to talk to her today. Talk about her today. Saint here. I, I think my goddaughter was actually named after her. Ooh, that was one okay. of the names. Um, my goddaughter Angela. Shout out Angela. Um, proud of you. I don't know if you're listening. Um, but the, um, yeah, it, it, it would, again, it's, it's a delight to really, uh, explore further somebody who I, 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 uh, I'd heard about, but learn and get so much goodness out of this 16th century life. Yes. So where did she grow up, Lori? So she was Italian. She was born in 1474 um, in a, the town of Desenzano, which is in northern Italy. And apparently, her parents were faith-filled and virtuous people that were raised that were raising their children in the faith. Um, and apparently, the father of the family would gather all of the children and read from a book called the Golden Legend, which was the lives of the saints. Yeah. So she. Um, really loved hearing the stories of the saints and wanted to imitate them. So that was sort of her her motivation. And, and she also, she really fell in love with Jesus from a very young age, it seems like. And mm-hmm. he was calling her to do some really great things for him, which we'll talk about momentarily. Yeah. <laughs> She's even having visions. Like most people, they have to discern and pray and ask God, what do you want me to do with my life? He was just showing her. So <laughs> No, uh, yeah. And I think one of the, one of the first visions came from a, a really, really horrible, yeah, after a horrible moment. A tragedy. So she, she lost her parents and her, was it her younger sister? Older sister? Is there, is I'm that not explained? sure. I'm not sure. But um, one of her sister. Yeah. Beloved sister. There we go. Um, beloved sister. When she and was only a teenager, right? She was pretty young. I think, yeah. yeah. Maybe even younger than that. So they were still, she was, yeah, uh, Angela was, she had a brother, but 
kind of the, he doesn't really factor into the equation but what what uh what legend tells us is that she was working out in the field one time because she grew up a farm girl uh lived a very joyful contemplative early childhood you know with the love of the saints so her family really understood the importance of uh the faith but angela after her family died particularly her sister I because I, I think there there's a question whether or not the sister received last rites. Right, they weren't. Yeah, and, she was, so she was concerned. And she, yeah, I mean that, that's just the mark of somebody who's very you know concerned about and the love and you know somebody's soul and concerned about a sister's soul. But then she was working in the field and legend has it she saw a vision of angels and she saw her sister in heaven and. That was kind of the moment where, like, okay, my sister's all right, mm. and there's a nice little sweet. Was was there a ladder, or did that was I that vision ladder that came? In, yeah, yeah, or maybe that, that came later. A vision of a ladder. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So what did she? Didn't she? I think then because of this, did she? Um, Became a third order Franciscan? I think a couple years couple passed. Years so back. she went okay. and she lived with her uncle, who apparently was That's also right. very virtuous. In Sallow? Yes. Right, yeah. Um, and then her uncle passed away, and she was around the age of 22. She moved back, I believe, to De Sanzano. Um, yeah. And then she joined, yeah, the third order Franciscans. Yeah. And then this is when she started living a more uh, Austere mm, life was yes. that the word? Well, she wanted to imitate Saint Francis, yes, yeah, as closely she, as she could. Yeah. She slept on a block of wood, allegedly. Yes. Um, lived on bread and water, and mm. maybe a few vegetables. Uh, I don't know if I could do that. Um, I don't know. About <laughs> maybe we're not called to do that right now. No, exactly. <laughs> no, she was, and God bless her. Um, and then, I think at this time too, she began seeing more closely the world around her. It was uh, in Italy. It was a very chaotic time and people were there's a lot going on and there was uneducated and there was the poor and she her heart uh her heart was uh, bubbling up for them mm. and this is when she began teaching you know she, she began teaching the young and uneducated women actually some of them were prostitutes and she began helping the poor and she received so much renown that I think other people from other towns were saying, can you do this where that's we right. are? And so that's what she started doing. And, and I think she was confirmed in that because you're right. There was another vision with a ladder where um, there were young girls sort of climbing a ladder that was ascending to heaven. Okay. And she felt like that was God calling her to teach young girls and to form them on how to live a holy life. Um, yeah. So then she came, you know, to her hometown and could see, well, there's a need because <laughs> these young women didn't know the faith and weren't living virtuous lives. So she, yeah, she, and apparently other single women began to join her in this work and it would grow. And then yes, even people from other cities thought, Oh, she's, she's got something good going there. Yeah, She had really a lot of faith, devotion and dedication to her ministry and to be able to have that charisma too to bring others to Mm. see they saw the joy that she had and they're like well i 
want to be able to do that too and use my gifts of the service of the church. I think uh, that's also a sign of that this was God's work, that he was inspiring her to do that when yes. others join and see, okay, this is something yeah, that God wants. her more. Yes. Um, then there was an incident in the Holy Land. Oh, yes. Should we talk about that? Or? <laughs> we can. Well, it, it's sometimes considered maybe legend. We're not sure. But yeah, yeah. let's tell that story. <laughs> uh, well, she was going to the Holy Land. I think she went with the group. Maybe and right. the, the priest. It was and like, quite a trip to be able to travel from Italy. Like it was, it was a harrowing <laughs> time, probably by trip. ship. Yes, imagine right. and those were long. Yes, so. we've heard saints, and I think we've we've talked about saints and their ship journeys, mm. and they're so it's. I mean, that's a pilgrimage, really, to that's the Holy true. Land. It wasn't um, a vacation for sure. <laughs> no, but then when she got to the Holy Land, uh, legend has it that she was struck blind, mm. and. That was just, but then also, I don't know how much time had passed, but so she still, they didn't, they didn't turn back. She kept going on the pilgrimage blind and she went to all these sites and they say that what we've, the research says that she could see these sites in her head or like the spirit guided her to see these, Hmm. you know, the holy, holy images or, you know, icons. The holy places. Um, but then in front of the crucifix, it is said, she was put in front of the crucifix and her sight came back. Mm. So um, that's pretty amazing. She literally walked by faith, not by sight. Amen. Is that we're all called? You know, blind <laughs> I faith? I guess so, yeah. Well, um, not blind faith because it's reasonable to have faith, but... I think I would have stopped the pilgrimage. I'm like, oh, I can't see any of the sights, but she persevered, right? <laughs> well, and I guess she just, she didn't want to miss out. And, and I like that, you know, she walked by faith, not mm. by sight. Um, I did not think about that, Lord. <laughs> wow. Um, no, but the, and then uh, it was at this time, I, f- I forget, who was the Pope? Because she, she had got an audience with the Pope. Oh, I right. mean, this was like such an influential visit. So she goes blind. <laughs> Regains her eyesight, then is like that must I have been a different trip. She must have been. Oh, in, really? Yeah, she must have been in Rome, right? At that That's point, right? Oh, I thought the. I thought. Or was he? Oh in the no, whole, no, 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 yeah. Been in the whole Maybe it was so. in Rome. So yeah. Um, so apparently, she, she became so well renowned that the Pope was open to receiving he her, her because exactly. yeah, he knew about yeah. her. Yeah. So. Um, and then what happened when she uh, when she saw the Pope? Okay, I think yeah, with the Pope, uh, basically, because she had been doing this work, and she right. said, you know. She asked permission to establish a society of young women for Christian instruction f- for the young and to help okay. the sick. And I think even the Which Pope, is what she was already doing, but she wanted she to formalize it, right? Exactly. So that women could, other women could join her. Yeah. I guess kind of as well wanted to, maybe she was having doubts and just wanted to say, well, if the Pope approves, then this is for me. Like, yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but then I think, from what I understand, the Pope wanted her to do it in Rome. Uh, he wanted her to do it in Rome, and she said, like, no, no, I, I want to go back to <laughs> Russia. And, yeah. And uh, the Pope gave gave her his blessing, mm. and she returned uh, to continue the work. And this was unlike, so I think for women, maybe, Laura, you can, you can it just, I, I believe that, so women at that time, there were only two states of life. There was the religious life where you became a nun, mm-hmm. religious, or you got married. Correct. There wasn't Those a were the options, And it would be like a cloister convent. So not yes. the sisters we know would be out in active ministry today. That was not the case then. So yeah. this was something unique she was doing at that time. Yeah. And she wanted to, I think, start start like a, an order. How did that, how did, the, did she start like a, a rule? 
Yes. So yeah, that's what you would need. The Pope would say, if I'm going to prove this, um, you would need a rule to live by. So I believe she wrote the rule and she actually um, put the, I guess you could call it, I don't know if you'd call it a community, the company of St. Ursula. So she put the, all these women under the patronage of St. Ursula. Um, and the company of St. Ursula still exists today, which is amazing, yeah. um, as a secular institute. So women who um, are consecrated to God, but live out in the world and serve. Yeah. And it's important you know, to say Aunt Ursula is a patroness of learning. Yes. And that was that was a big a, deal. Yeah, school um, school age girls, yeah. And then too, like so so these sister these I shouldn't call them sisters, these young women, the society of young women, they were still living in their own homes, correct? Right. Like there was yes. still so they still had that secular But we're living line. by a particular rule, which would probably exactly, include yeah. certain prayers or certain practices. And they were still meeting and gathering and right. together. So they weren't they weren't doing the work in solitude. They were still gathering as a society. And so, um, yeah, they were called the Ursulines. And then on November 25th, 1535, I think this point, this point she was about 60 years old. Mm. Uh, she and 28 others consecrated themselves uh, to the service of God to do this mission. And that that moment in time does mark the founding of the Ursuline Order, which was the first teaching order for young women. Mm. Um, and we, I think there were, now it's branched it's off branched, a bit, right? right, yeah. yeah. So there is also a group of nuns called the Order of St. Ursula, um, who I believe St. Charles Barameo was involved with establishing them. So they were more monastic and living in a convent, but still um, following, taking the patronage of St. Ursula. And they they all look back to St. Angel Marici as their founder. So yeah. I'm not sure if they are still around today, but I know the company of St. Ursula is. So she definitely had long reaching impact <laughs> in the church and in the world. I saw that there were about more than 20,000 uh, sisters or Interesting, secular, of women yeah, that are part of the secular institute. And, but it uh, wasn't until it's interesting. So she did um, consecrate herself with these women to this, the company of St. Ursula. But um, the papal bull that approved the rule that they had written wasn't approved until four years after her death. So that was in 1544 when Pope Paul III approved the rule. So she didn't get to see that, but they were already living the life. And you can see the fruits of uh, what she had founded, that even God's vision for her was coming to fruition before she died. So it's yeah. pretty amazing. And um, I, I couldn't find anything about when she died, or, or no, she died in 1540. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was like just a very simple death. She just died in the bedroom of the home where she was living at the time. There, yeah, it yeah. wasn't dramatic. Yeah, and, but she was clothed in the habit that's of right, the Franciscan she tertiary. Yes, um, that's right. Kind of the, she was still the third order Franciscan. Mm -hmm. So can, can you explain that a bit? What does that mean, like third order? How is that different from being named? They wouldn't be part of the Franciscan community and live in community um, the way the, uh, the Franciscan friars and the um, nuns would be. So she was out in the world and able to serve there, but still um, following the example of St. Francis and giving herself to God. Kind of like what she was doing as as an Ursuline. Correct, yes. Okay, thank you. I guess her mission was unique. I met maybe the Third Order. They didn't have a particular um, apostolate. So this is something that she took on and made it something new yeah. Yeah. to fulfill a need and fulfill God's vision for her. And that's for what, sure. yeah, that's, she, uh, she saw it all. Like she, 
saw the, um, you know, some of us might not be called to religious life mm-hmm. or, you know, um, married life or, you know, but I think it's, it's, it's good to understand that God always has, God always uh, knows where we need to be. Mm. And we need to follow that gift. And maybe we don't need to go to the Holy Land and be struck blind. I, I would hope not, <laughs> honestly. Um, but if you don't, if it's God's will, it's God's will. Um, or maybe not even have an audience with the Pope. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's the thing. I think she was, what What I appreciate about uh, St. Angela is that she, th- there was a curiosity and a search there. I mean, mm-hmm. she didn't have all the answers uh, from the very beginning. She had questions about her sister in heaven, and she had mm-hmm. questions about her vocation. So I like that. I like that she was, for me at least, it's nice to know that these saints in life had these questions That's you know true. they didn't it wasn't all uh sunshine and rainbows all the time i mean we, which, that's, but we yeah, know that's that. a lot of suffering losing her parents and her sister exactly before she was even 20 years old yeah yeah and so she was canonized by pope pius pius the seventh i think 18 or seven so um do we know what she's the patron saint of? Yes, she is the patron of sickness, um, those who have lost their parents um, and disabled or those with physically physically challenged people, which I'm not sure why that is, but they've taken her as patron. So Maybe with her blindness in oh, some way. Oh, there we go. I, I, that, I'm just you're probably right. That would make sense. Um, yeah, and she definitely, she, I think part of the lesson um, in her life is that she was taking care of the people who were in front of her. Exactly. <laughs> she saw the yes. need. She yes. saw the people that were the young girls that needed her care and needed to be educated. And she fulfilled that need. So even if we don't all start a religious community or a movement, we can still take care of the people that are in front of us in our own families or in think, our own apostolates. Yeah. yeah. Maybe she taught the Pope a lesson. The Pope wanted her to come to Rome and is like, no, I, I don't have to do it in Rome. I can do it in my backyard. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you said, it's it's really, who is it? Was it St. Teresa who said do small, or was it maybe maybe the little flower, do small things with great love? That would fit either one of them, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was, a Saint, it was either St. Teresa or St. Therese. And I apologize to you up in heaven. Whoever they don't mind, was. I'm sure. Um, but, but I think that's, you know, it's it's the idea of we don't need to, worry ourselves about doing the grand gestures Mm -hmm. we do what we can with what we have to the people around us true thank you lord thanks for that reminder sure shall we ask saint angela to pray for us too Uh, to do that let's uh, i love it as we kick off this year yeah right saint angela you fell in love with god at a young age and deepened that love even through hard times after losing members of your beloved family, God gave you new spiritual children to care for as a spiritual mother. You embraced that calling and much good fruit was born in the church. Please pray for us that we may learn from your example by caring for those whom God has placed in our lives and devoting ourselves to serving them in, cord- in accord with God's perfect will. St. Angela Marici. Pray for us. <laughs>